angels. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice. That got louder. Hey, perfect timing. Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seal? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed the people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voices of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, today is Palm Sunday, and what an interesting place for us to be, maybe as if it was planned, at this passage here, talking about this worship that is going forth in the heavenlies, in the truth reality that is happening right now. And what took place so many years ago in Jerusalem as we celebrate Jesus entering in on a colt, on a donkey, coming into the city of David and people receiving him as the one who they believed was going to lead them to overcome the oppression that set upon them. And so we have palms today that you can wave or just keep to remember something about what it means to be part of a magnificent worship that is taking place. In that Mark chapter 11 section, we see them getting ready, preparing, and as Jesus is coming in, they begin to shout out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And if you've been around church very much, you know that this is the beginning of Holy Week. And what that means is that by the end of this week, these same people <laughs> that are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, have different words coming out of their mouth. 
that by the end of this week, they're screaming out to the powers that are oppressing them, no, give us Barabbas and crucify Jesus. Kill him now. Kill him right now. That these words of praise quickly change and transform into words of condemnation. These words of prescribing guilt onto someone who is not guilty, giving a death sentence to someone who does not deserve that death. Why would they do that? What would so quickly make that change take place? Well, we've seen it happening in Revelation, and we know that it happened then, and even today it happens as well, that there are a battle that is going on, that there is a place in the heavenlies that are, are good and evil fighting against one another. And it shows up in our own hearts, and it manifests itself out in our own systems. And so, we don't belittle those who are saying, Hosanna, and then just a week later saying crucify. I would say we can understand them. We can come to the place of knowing that for them, they recognize Jesus coming in. They know in the back of their minds that this is a, a fulfillment of a prophecy of the coming Messiah. And so they get excited about what's taking place. Yet for them, their idea of what a Messiah is, is something that God shows differently. For them, they expect that this rising king, this one who is coming, this anointed one, is going to come in and, and cast out the Romans, take over the land, bring about reconciliation for them, renewal, and, and in some forms, even get rid of the oppressive religious system that they have. See, because these people stood in two places longing to be freed from the oppression of the power of Rome and longing to be freed from the fear of being kicked out of their religious community. See, if they did anything against what the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the rulers of the temple said, then they could be kicked out, removed from this fellowship of the chosen. That desire to do exactly as they said, that fear of being left and at the same time, a fear of the oppression of Rome. So as they're saying Hosanna, and then day two and day three, and Jesus isn't taking over, their minds begin to think, we were out there on the street. What if somebody saw me? What if my neighbor goes to the Sadducee and says, did you see Lee out on the street worshiping this rebel? This one who says that you're not quite the answer? And those religious leaders are thinking to themselves, we've got to get rid of this guy. They'd been planning all along. They just couldn't find the right time, oddly enough. And Rome, they're probably looking at it and thinking, wow, this king has come in, but he's not doing anything. And they're thinking to themselves, if he's not going to do anything, Rome will squelch any rebellion that comes. They've done it before. When there have been those who have said, we need to take over, we need to get Rome out of here, they've tamped it down. I don't want to be seen as part of that. And so fear drives them to a place of turning their worship to condemnation. 
But we know that that's all part of God's plan. How do we know that? Well, we know that in this passage. Because here's what happens. As John is taking up into the truth reality, into what is really going on in the world, and we have that chapter 4 that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, this amazing worship that is going on for the Father God, the one who sits on the throne, the one who pursues us in his steadfast love, the one who can't wait to have us join him. We see he holds a scroll. And in that scroll, he's going to unfold both history and the future. He's going to paint completely the story of what redemption looks like. That he's going to say, there's a battle that's going on, but do not fear, I have overcome. And this is how I've overcome. There is one who will undo the scroll. There is one who is worthy to do this. We see this movement taking place and the elder cries out, Who can unfold this scroll? Who can release it? And no one answers. And John begins to weep. He moves from just an observer to a participant. While worship is going on, he begins to weep. Why? Because he knows that the world is broken and fallen. He knows that whatever is within that scroll needs to be revealed so that God's purposes can be made whole and complete. And when no one is able to do it, he feels as if the world will stay the way that it is. Perhaps that's the way they felt three days after the triumphal entry. If nothing happens and things stay this way, we will be in despair and bondage forever. But in fact, that's not the case. Because the elder says, wait, look, and see. And we get this beautiful picture of Jesus and who he is. The first thing that he hears is, here comes the lion of Judah, the root of David who has conquered. What an amazing picture for John. To know that the lion of Judah, the one that God has set aside before the foundation of the world, the one that God said and promised to Abraham and Isaac, the one that God has brought forth through David, is there and present and has done the work. That whatever has happened before and whatever turmoil that is going to come after, that God has conquered it through Jesus. Now here's where it gets really cool. Because a lion is what is heard, this proclamation. But who shows up? A lamb. A lion is the name. The lamb is the person. The lion is the proclamation giving power, showing forth what that power is, that he possesses all of it, that because he is of David, that he is authority. But that authority is brought forth by a lamb, and not just any lamb, a lamb that was slain. That God says the way to overcome the oppressive power of control of Rome and in this world that says if you follow our ways, you'll have life. Or of the fear of an oppressive system of rules and regulations of the way that they should be done in order for you to relate to God. He says no. It is through a lamb who doesn't come in power but comes in sacrifice. A lamb who doesn't come to overthrow, 
but to bring in. A lamb who doesn't come to overcome in violence, but to overcome in receiving that violence. And he does just that. He comes in and he receives it and we will celebrate that. And I do mean celebrate that death and that resurrection in just a week. But at this point, we see in the truth reality that is the heavenlies, Jesus being seen as that lion and lamb. It's really cool. It's this really weird lion and lamb because he has seven horns and seven eyes. Doesn't look like any lamb that probably we've seen. The seven eyes and the seven horn represent the seven spirits of, of God that is going out, meaning that's the Holy Spirit that is moving to and fro. In that, we can understand this, that there is power in the seven horns, There is wisdom in the seven eyes that he's able to see all things and understand all things. And the spirit that is going to every corner of the world means that God is working and active and moving in all places in the world today. And so this lamb comes in and then worship changes. It moves to a new song that is brought forth that says, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seats, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed who? A people for God. And then he hears more worship going on that says, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing." And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them say to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Can you catch what's happening here? All things everywhere give glory and praise to the Lamb. There is nothing that will not give glory and praise to the Lamb. Why? Because the Lamb came in and and demanded it? No, because the Lamb came in and sacrificed. And in doing so, redeemed. Humanity's part of this, it says, that we're part of that worship that is going on. We're part of that crying out, saying you are worthy because of what you have done. But more than that, there's something else. In all the worship that's going on, you've got these four creatures and you've got these 24 angels. You've got everything in and of and under and in the sea. Everything is giving glory and praise to God. And we're part of that. It's an amazing picture. But within that praise, you get something that is said that calls us out as different. So not only are we those who participate in this worship along with every bit of creation, we are also those who then participate with Jesus, the slain lamb. Look, he says this, for you have what? Redeemed and ransomed a people of God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and a priest to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. 
Again, we have to be careful because we hear that word reign and our minds can sometimes go to, oh, the way Rome reigned or the way the religious readers reigned or, or the way we perceive some monarchy reigning somewhere or despot reigning somewhere. And we then have to remember, how does Jesus reign? Jesus reigns in humility and sacrifice. Jesus reigns in coming and giving of himself completely so that we can be saved. So we don't reign standing up in that way. We reign as Christ reigned. We give of ourselves. Notice all creation will worship God, but we are those who worship and participate in the work of God. By being called priest and a kingdom, we are set aside from all of creation to be those who are, for lack of a better word, missionaries to go forth into the world and share this great worship. We are those who are set aside by God, called out and redeemed by the blood to be able to say, this is how life is meant to be lived. Not in arrogance, but in humbleness. Because we have learned this not by our own doing, but because it has been revealed to us in what Christ has done for us. How amazing it is that even in this book, this prophecy, in this apocalyptic sayings, and in this letter written to these churches so long ago, we can see again that in Christ we are made new as God's people so that we can reflect and be God's people so that he will receive glory and others will be drawn to him. And so in this place... We sit, but we're still in that world, that world that John knew when he first heard and saw the scroll and recognized that nobody was ready to open it. So today I want to challenge you to hear God saying, lifting up the one who is the sacrifice lamb who will draw you in and give you meaning and purpose, not just so you can have meaning and purpose, but so that you can bring glory to God and be who he created you to be. But I also want you to hear this. When John saw that the scroll was there and nobody was ready to open it, he cried. He cried because that's the appropriate response. For those of you who are in broken relationships, you should weep. For those of you who are in pain because of sickness and health, weeping is appropriate. For those of us who are walking in a place of being scared about the future and unsure what might take place, yea, even next week, tears are good. That there's a place for us to recognize the fracture of the world, the brokenness and the sin that seeps in, the deception that covers our eyes and keeps us from recognizing the truth reality that is happening, that God reigns, that he's on his throne, that Jesus has done the work and conquered all, that all glory is due to him, and that I can walk in assurance of that. That even at this moment, we can cry. 
But hear the follow-up word. Behold. Weep no more. Now, when that angel says to John, weep no more, it's not a suck it up, buddy. Things aren't that bad. It's not a condescending, you've cried too much. It's time to move on. It's a weep no more because, behold, there is a conqueror. That's not a forever and ever weep no more. That's an understanding that when we are in the depths of despair, when we are rocked by the brokenness of the world, when it seems like there is no hope, behold, there is hope because the Lamb is on the throne and He has conquered. And you are not left alone in seeing that. Why? Because all creation, all creation, under the earth and above the earth and under the water and in the sea and everywhere in all places from every tribe and every nation, there are those who are being called forth who are giving glory and honor and, and they walk with us together. Oh, church, that's why we are the church. So that we give glory to God and we encourage one another and say, cry, yes, cry, but cry no more. Hope, behold, the lamb is the lion who has overcome. Let me pray for us. Jesus, let us hear your words to us that you have overcome. Let us rest in that we can behold your goodness and your mercy and your might. Let us Hold on and give you glory and honor. And we hold on through Holy Spirit that knows us better than we know ourselves. Father, if there's anything that's not from you today, let it burn up, let it go away. But if there is something from you, let it take root into our hearts and bring you glory and honor and praise. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.